Hey, friends, hope you're having a good holiday season. We uh, closed out Advent this last Sunday, and of course, just that evening, we had our Christmas Eve service, but that's not recorded, so you missed the very best sermon I've ever given. Uh, I'm just kidding. We had a lovely time that evening, but also the morning session, uh, worship, was quite lovely. Uh, All of the scriptures dealt with prophecy, um, covenant with uh, between God and David and how Christ Jesus is fulfillment of that covenant. And so uh, we've been focusing a lot the last few weeks on Old Testament Testament prophecy and covenant and uh, how it is that God is faithful to the Jews through creating the new covenant with Christ Jesus that we are a part of. And so all of that's been quite complicated, and of course one cannot do it all justice perfectly by just preaching about it for 30 minutes a week. This is a much bigger topic. My hope is, as you continue to listen to me talk about the faith, is that you are personally driven into the Scriptures to find these things for yourselves. Um, if you if you hate my preaching, then it's very strange that you're listening to this podcast. If you like my preaching, then the, the whole point is everything I'm offering is a pale reflection of the beauty and wonder of what we actually have in the scriptures. And so if if you are fully uh, satisfied by just listening to me talking about it, then let me just tell you, you're really getting a bum deal here because what, what the scriptures actually have to offer is so much greater than what I offer. And I, I love preaching and I love what I offer, but it doesn't it doesn't hold a candle to what you find whenever you actually put in the time and energy to understand the scriptures for yourself. So um, as you make your way through these scriptures with me and my community of faith, as you continue to uh, let me speak to you and your faith, you know, I, I hope that you will take my counsel here and in other places uh, to, to really own the faith for yourself and uh to come closer to Christ Jesus, especially as we are at the close of 2023 and starting 2024. It's a time to make resolutions, right? And so, uh, you know, whether or not you do the New Year's resolution thing, every day is the right day to make the uh, resolution to come closer to Christ Jesus. And so uh, that's the whole reason I'm doing what I'm doing here. I'm not doing it so that people listen to the podcast. I'm doing it so that people are brought closer to Christ Jesus. And so I hope that I have been helpful in facilitating that in your life thus far, I hope you will let me be even more helpful. Or if, I, if I'm if i not the guy for you, I hope you'll turn to somebody else who can bring you to close closer to Christ Jesus. And in case you haven't listened to a lot of my stuff before, I think involvement of the local church in the local church is absolutely essential for that. So if there's one thing I can get you to do, it's to find a Bible-believing church that you are plugged into and increasingly committed to. So with that in mind, Enjoy the time spent in the Word with me and mine. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. We will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. We will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David, I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. We We will will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. We We will will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. 
I have set the crown on one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. My hand shall always remain with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. We will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. We will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and steadfast love shall be with him. We, we will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. We will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me. You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. We will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. We will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. Today's first reading comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 16, found on page 488 of your pew Bibles. Let's listen to the word of God. And it came to pass... When the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in an house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go, and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle, in all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me an house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. 
and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. The word of the Lord. Reading out of the King James is not easy, Spencer. You did a fantastic job on that. And the main word play that we need to take note of there was David. Remember, King David, he did quite well. The Lord prospered his hand. David was noting, I, I built this big, nice palace for myself, and yet God is still, you know, remember where God's presence was from the days of Exodus was atop the Ark of the Covenant, right? And then the 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 tent, the wandering tent for the Ark of the Covenant was called the Tabernacle, and that's what followed or led the Israelites from place to place, and that's where God's presence abode in the days of David. And David says, well, I live in this nice big house, and God is greater than me. I should build him a house too. And God, through the prophet Nathan, says, I built your house. I build you a house. So it's not you build me a house, and it turns out Solomon would build the, the first temple, uh, Solomon, the son of David. Uh, but here it's you're not going to build me a house. I have built and am building you a house. And so what comes through this prophecy from Nathan is God saying, look at all the ways I've been faithful to you. Look at all the promises that I'm making to you. So the ways that he had been faithful, right? He raised him out of the, the sheep coat. He was a shepherd, right? Whenever God called him, made him a warrior, conquered Goliath and the Philistines, raised him up, took over whenever uh, Saul failed God. That God was only ever faithful to David, and David, because he was a man after God's own heart, God made this eternal covenant with him. That's also re restating his covenant that he's made with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, namely that the Israelites would continue to be his favored people and that he would protect them from enemies on all sides. Did you catch him, him saying that again in this one? I should go ahead and, and do that. This was... Uh, uh, Verse 10, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them anymore as before. So God is restating covenants that he's already made that the Jews would have a homeland and the promised land and that God would protect them from enemies on all sides. This is a prophecy that God has already fulfilled some and will fulfill much more. But God's primary prophecy here is to a not Abraham, David, and he says... Where does he talk about? Uh, verse 12, and, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, that's a polite way of saying, when you die, I will set up thy seed after thee. Seed is your progeny, your children. He's saying, you're going to have children, and I'm going to set them up, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, prophecy, a lot of people have a two-dimensional understanding of prophecy where it's only true in one way, and that's not how prophecy works. A lot of prophecy is true in two, three, four, five ways. I believe that this is true on at least two ways. God did establish Solomon, the son of David, gave his kingdom prosperity, and it was under Solomon that uh, a temple was built for God. The, the prophecy was, I will be his father, he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul. So God says, no matter what your descendants do, I am always going to favor the house of David. One of the line of David is always going to be enthroned in Jerusalem. Now, God was faithful about this with Solomon, but he was finally faithful about this with Jesus, who is God's eternal son. Children, what kind of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? Yeah, one who is truly human and also truly God. Uh, we have two questions after that. See how, how well you kids can do. Why must the Redeemer 
be truly human. That in human nature... Yeah, that in human nature, he might perfectly obey the whole law. He might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. Why must the Redeemer be truly God? That because of his divine nature, his obedience, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective. Hey, Pops, you're putting too much pressure on her. He's turning around going, are you going to get it? Are you going to get it? <laughs> but God, God uh, fulfilled this prophecy in one sense by raising up Solomon, but in a final sense by raising up the God-man, Christ Jesus. Or not really raising up, but allowing, you know, some people think that God made Jesus come again. Jesus wanted to come. He signed up for this from the beginning of time. That's what we're going to talk about with the Romans reading. This was a mystery to the ancients until it was revealed. Nobody even knew about the eternally begotten Son of the Father until he came in the flesh. And the only reason he came in the flesh was because it was the only way to achieve our forgiveness and salvation. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas is the beginning of that holy rescue mission. Here is the beginning of a prophecy. You know, we've already talked about several prophecies, not, well, prophecies and covenants. God says, here's who I'm going to be to you. Here's who I have been. Here's who I'm going to be to you. Put your trust in me, and I will not let you down. And the word we have for that is faithfulness, right? Is God faithful? He was faithful to David in fulfilling this covenant that he made with David. Christ now sits enthroned in heaven above as ruler of the universe, and that will never end, will it? God has fulfilled this prophecy. One of the line of David sits enthroned above, never to end. It's an eternal covenant. God has already been faithful and will continue to be faithful to fulfill. Why does that matter? I mean, partly, yes, we can just gather in on and say, oh, God is so faithful. But does that have anything to do with us? It has everything to do with us. Because we, are we in covenant with God? Through Christ Jesus, yes, he has made a covenant with us. And if we have a faithless or capricious God who only comes through for us sometimes, we're in trouble. But if we have a faithful God who is 100% powerful and effective, well then, we have reason to boast, don't we? We boast in the Lord. Anybody know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They were two early believers. The church started off and everybody realized this was the kingdom of God moving in the world and they were liquidating all of their assets and giving 100% of it to the church because they wanted 100% of themselves to be with God's salvation in the world. Ananias and Sapphira looked and they said, man, this is a pretty cool group. We want to join, but it might not work out. So how about let's liquidate all of our assets and only give some of it to the church and then hold on to some of it in case it doesn't work out. So they came and laid some of it at the foot of the disciples, and Peter said, Is this 100% of what you have? And they said, Oh, yes, oh, yes. And instantly, the Holy Spirit struck them down and killed them dead. Now, the message of that story is not primarily financial, although it might have a financial message there. I'll let you decide that. But it's primarily spiritual. Does God share? Does God want you to put some trust in him and then some trust in worldly stuff and people? Y'all know that's ridiculous. God did all for us. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Amen? And yet, you know that hymn, I surrender all, I surrender all. For most people, what they're actually singing in their hearts is, I surrender some. 
I'm just like Ananias. Yeah, Sarah Beth likes that that didn't rhyme. That was really tacky. But you know what the actual song is? The actual song that we need to be singing about God is, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. You know the chorus, sing it with me. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. It's because God is faithful that we come out of the world and we forsake everything out there to be 100% with Jesus. Amen. Today's second reading is Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4 and 19 through 26, found on page 885 of your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. Then thou spakest in vision to thy holy one and said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Mine arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is this a happy psalm, angry psalm? Uh, what is it? What did we just encounter here? Was it an angry psalm? It was a confident, it was a happy, I mean, it starts off, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With, with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. So first off, this is a testimony of a conviction, even though this is before Jesus, a conviction that for all eternity, one would be able to praise God. And that hope was fulfilled in Christ Jesus, who of course opened the way of salvation to us. But here it taps into this same prophecy that we encountered in 2 Samuel, the same uh, covenant made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, namely the protection of God's people Israel being elevated above the nations and the nations being saved through them. This is how God works, right? The whole loaf is no good, but yet God, a master baker, works in a little leaven into the whole loaf and it causes the whole thing to rise, which of course is how Jesus says the kingdom of heaven works. Does the kingdom of heaven have a king? Who is it? Jesus, King Jesus, he reigns enthroned above. He sits at the right hand of God. 
God will subject all things, put all things under his feet. So let's, let's look at this again. Uh, this is uh, verse 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant that his seed will I establish forever and build up a throne to all generations. That's fulfilled in Christ Jesus, is it not? I said, I, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. Jesus was a man, right? He was a Jew in ancient uh, 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 Judea. Yeah, it wasn't Judah at this point. Judea. He was a Judean from Nazareth. I have found David my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him. So, hail to the Lord's anointed is going to be our final hymn this morning. We're singing about Christ Jesus who fulfills this prophecy. With whom my hand shall be established, mine arm also shall strengthen him. God has been faithful to Christ Jesus. And then again, I ask you, is God faithful to us? And because of his faithfulness, that's why we're doing what we're doing here. We're putting all of our trust in him. I'm just saying the same thing. I would love it if everybody was like, man, you go to that Methodist church, you got that broken record preacher. He says the same thing over and over. I do. God is faithful. We can trust in him 100%. Everybody say it with me. God is faithful. It's really, it doesn't need to be any more complicated than this. You know, and it really is a wonderful thing eventually learning to read your Bible, just going through and going, yep, he's been faithful here. He's been faithful here. I'm excited to see how he's going to be faithful here. You can make your whole way through the whole Bible and it is a testimony to God's faithfulness. You're never going to see it for what it is if you think it's just some ancient signpost of an ancient civilization. It's God's eternal word marking the ways in which he has been faithful and the ways in which we can count on him being faithful to all generations. Amen? Let's read again. Let's, uh, let's have our third reading from Romans. And this is going to talk to us about this mystery. Today's third reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 16, verses 25 through 27, found on page 1604 of your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That was a short segment, but there's a lot to it. Is God powerful? Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. He just means the gospel. He preached the gospel, but it's the gospel that I preach, says Paul. Is God powerful enough to bring you to obedience? He is. Now to him that is of power to establish you. Establish means make you strong, firm, according to the gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Revelation means it was revealed, right? From the beginning of creation, ever since things fell apart, the big question was, how is God going to fix this? And Satan has always said, we don't need God to fix this. We can fix it. 
And history is, in many senses, just one long story of us failing over and over again so abysmally to come anywhere close to fixing it. God alone can fix it, amen? But the question is, how is he going to fix it? How can he save us from ourselves? It looked seemingly impossible. And he tried many things along the way. Well, tried. God doesn't fail at anything. I believe that he had these different periods so that we could see that even when God aligned all the stars for us, we still could not do the work. Even whenever he provided for safety for uh, Adam and Eve and their children once they left the garden, not enough. Even whenever he saved Noah and his children and his wife and made for them a new way, a new creation, that was still not enough. Even whenever he provided for Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob and their descendants, still not enough. Even whenever he raised up King David and the nation of Israel as intercessors in a priestly nation for the nations, it was still not enough. And that is because that's how screwed up we are. We couldn't do it. God had to do it. But we didn't know how he could. How on earth could God, enthroned in the heavens above, forgive us, despite the fact that we're still unholy? And the answer is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. That's explicitly what he's called in the Gospel of John, right? He's the Passover Lamb. All of the sins of the people were placed on him. And that's why we have crosses everywhere around churches. It's a reminder we couldn't save ourselves. That's the ugly price that had to get paid so that we could be forgiven of our sin. And Christ Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it all. What's the next line? All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And that's why it comes down at the end. He said, all this was made manifest according to the scriptures of the prophets. It's talking about the Old Testament. According to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations. Has the Bible been published to all nations? Yeah. For why? Why did all this happen for, can we go back to that slide? It's all dark right now. It's important that you see it, that you don't have to trust me. Made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. You know why we love dogs so much? Because they're obedient. Oh boy, do I love obedient dogs. God loves obedient, I mean, it's not just dogs. Parents, isn't it great when you tell your kids to do something and they just say, yes, sir? It's an amazing thing. Some of you go, I don't know what that is. It's amazing. I got wonderful kids, not all the time, but sometimes I say, go do this thing, and they just say, yes, sir, and they do it. And that's the kind of children our God deserves, isn't it? But too often he's got children going, well, I don't know about that, God. It doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know about that. I, don't, I really would rather not, God. How about I do this other thing for you? You ever bargain with God? Stop. That is a dumb, dumb, dummy thing to do. Don't bargain with God. God doesn't do half measures. He doesn't share. He doesn't bargain. And that might sound like he's a big jerk, but the reality is you're not going to know any peace or joy until you have given up and given to him 100% of what you owe. And what percent do you owe? The all percent. The all percent. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. All really means just 90% though, right? No! No! You know, there's this, um, there's this SNL skit that was done by uh, Leslie Nope. I forget her 
and then the white haired guy. And the whole skit is like it's a financial help commercial and um, they're going, um, we've got this new financial program. Oh, it's one telling the other, it's a new financial program and you spend less than you make. You don't go into any debt at all. And, and, and Leslie Nope character, she's going, oh, I get it. I spend all I want to and then I pay off the debt later. And he's going, no, that is the opposite of what I'm talking about. And they go through this loop several times. This is what humans do with God going, I get to sin as much as I want, and then you forgive me. And he goes, no, it's the opposite of that. We don't sin so that grace may abound, right? You remember the Romans series. Here's the word of God for you. God has called you to be holy as he is holy. Not 90% holy, not 75% holy, not 5% holy. He's called you to be 100% holy as he is holy. That is a consistent witness throughout the Bible. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Is God faithful? If God is faithful and we promise that our hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, what are we doing? This is the number, this is our calling. This is the whole purpose of life is to be holy, not to negotiate and compromise with God, but to submit and obey. That's what the mystery points to. Surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. May we be so blessed as to mean the words we sing. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Our final reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, which you can find on page 1427 of your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Hey, we just passed over a pretty important part. It should have been blazing neon sign of the house of David, of the house of David. You remember this prophecy that we've been hearing about all of worship today? He's of the house of David. So God is about to be faithful with this prophecy. Verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. That's the understatement of eternity, is it not? Verse 29, And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I saw a meme a couple weeks ago of an angel appearing to a man saying, Be not afraid. And the man responds, Sir, this is the single most terrifying thing that's happened to me in my life. Because angels are, uh, I mean, if you've read your Old Testament, they are emissaries of God's justice. They kill lots of people. They are, they're not the type of people that you, you, know, you, you, you lean back at the table and put your feet up at the table and relax with, all right? An angel is a big deal. An angel appears to this peasant girl in ancient Judea, and it says she's troubled at his saying. That just means she didn't, she, who would understand this? But I mean, to her credit, here's how it goes. Verse 30, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Yeshua, Jesus. That's how they said it. I mean, I hicked it up, but I mean, Yeshua, Jesus. And it means savior, salvation. His name is literally salvation. 
Verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called son of the highest. All right, this is also language from that second Samuel prophecy, right? I shall be a father to him, he shall be my son. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. This is language directly taken from that Old Testament prophecy. Is God faithful? Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? This is the question of the ages. How is God going to save us? How can God accomplish these things? Verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come on thee, upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. You remember that eventually when Mary goes to Elizabeth, the, the child in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy because that's John the Baptist. He knows. He's the first one who really knows outside of Mary who he is. Verse 37, for with God nothing is impossible. That's a good thing to repeat. Say, nothing is impossible. That's an important creed to confess. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She's talking about herself. I'm a handmaid. I'm a servant. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to sum up what I've said today, and hopefully you agree that it fits with the, the scriptures that we've heard God is faithful, and throughout the ages, through the prophets, he has given us many covenants, many prophecies that have been fulfilled, and he is fulfilling today and will fulfill. Can you say amen? amen. He has fulfilled those prophecies through Christ Jesus, who came in the flesh and will come again in glory. Can anyone say amen? amen. God has made a covenant with us to which he will also be faithful, and the expectation is that we put our whole trust in him. Can we say amen? God has put a holy calling on our lives, and it's not to do what's right in our own eyes, nor to fit in with the world, nor to do what feels right to us. He has called us to be holy and obedient, as his son Jesus was, even to the point of dying on a cross. We can do it because God loved us first. Amen. Amen.